I'm happy to have on the show today, New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer. He's one of the leading candidates running to be the next mayor of New York City. He was born and raised in Washington Heights, served in the New York State Assembly, representing Manhattan's West Side for 13 years, was Manhattan Borough President, and now as controller, he acts as investment advisor to custodian and trustee of the city's five pension funds. Mr. Stringer and his staff oversee the city's $228 billion public pension system. So it's great to have you. Thank you so much, Scott, for being with me today. It is great to be on this podcast, and I'm so happy to be here. And congrats again on your official announcement to be the next mayor of New York City. Well, you know, Josh, these are very challenging times for our city. When you think of February 2020, uh, the unemployment rate was 3.4%, and over 10 years, the city added 970,000 jobs. And once COVID hit, that unemployment rate went from 3.4% to 20%. And the 970,000 jobs, we lost 900,000 in 30 days. This was not like the 2008 recession. This really was going back as far as the depression, bread lines, food lines, people who just simply couldn't pay the rent. And so the next mayor has to build the city back post-pandemic. and. I'm going to offer my skills in government and my vision uh, to New Yorkers because this is going to be one of the critical moments in our history. Well, I want to get a little bit into your background for our listeners that don't know you um, as well. But before we do, I mean, let's talk about the economy because you touched on it a little bit. What is your thoughts in terms of bringing the city back economically? Well, this is going to be the great challenge. Uh, obviously, we're going to need a robust stimulus package from Congress and the Biden administration. We're going to have to address some of the short-term issues like a 3.8 to $4.2 billion budget deficit. I believe that through a combination of savings, efficiencies, and refinancing of debt, we can balance this year's budget. But going forward, we're going to have to really monitor the city economy to make sure that we don't fall back into a 1970s position. That's why I've said to the de Blasio administration, be very cautious about borrowing for operating expenses because that was a trigger to the 1970s fiscal crisis. But obviously everything has to be on the table, including borrowing. Long-term, we can't open the economy the same way we closed it. One of the things that we saw with COVID is this virus is a real discriminator. So the people the virus went after were the most vulnerable New Yorkers, people with pre-existing health conditions in Queens, in the Bronx. Uh, my mom died in a Bronx hospital in April, and she was in her 80s, and she had pre-existing health conditions. She died of COVID. But her doctors made it very clear to me that the people who were dying in the Bronx were Black people and Latino people, people who suffered from diabetes and uh, asthma and uh, hypertension. We can no longer manage people's illnesses. We have to actually restructure our city government to address health disparity and also budgeting. We've got to solve these problems, not manage them, because what COVID showed us was that the virus comes for people who are vulnerable. And so I want to, as mayor, change this and make sure that everyone in the city can be safe and can also live a life that, that is aspirational. My condolences to you. I mean, I feel like far too many people have been impacted 
you know, knowing someone that's passed away, but it's tragic when it obviously happens to you. No, um, thank you very much. You know, a lot of people, obviously, I threw out that massive number that you're responsible for in terms of pensions, but just give a little background in terms of what your role is as controller so that people just have a better sense of your role in New York City now. Well, the controller's office is everything all at once. I'm charged with being the fiduciary of a of the fourth largest public pension fund in America, protecting 700,000 retirees, those in the system and those that will be retired. Uh, in addition, I'm the auditor-in-chief. That's why I know so much about our city agencies. Mm-hmm. I've held the de Blasio administration accountable at the Department of Education, Department of Buildings, uh, you name it, we've audited. And we've also not just played gotcha, but we've also made thoughtful recommendations to make government more efficient and more effective for the people. As controller, I register some 30,000 contracts a year, making sure that everything's on the up and up. But it also has given me a real insight into things that are not readily on people's minds, like procurement and how we allow for women of minority-owned businesses to do better by the procurement rules. Right now, we spend about 20-some-odd billion dollars on goods and services in the city, but we only give out about 4.3% of that money to women of minority-owned businesses. That must change if we're going to be a city of equity and equality and social justice. And so this is an office that has really given me a real opportunity to build on the work I've done in the assembly and as borough president uh, to be a very qualified candidate, to be mayor at this time of great fiscal challenge. We have a number of challenges at the same time. It's not just the economy. It's also issues related to social justice and fairness. And also we have to build out a foundation so that everybody can live in this city in affordable housing with a healthcare system that works and making sure that everyone's children can get the education they need. You know, you really dedicated your entire career uh, to New York City public service. You know, going through your career, what are some of your proudest moments that you can share with us? I'm proud of being a really good elected official. It's something I wanted to do all my life as a little kid. Uh, My mom was uh, one of the first women elected to public office as a member of the city council in the 1970s. And my cousin was the late Bella Abzug, uh, a congresswoman uh, who would eventually run for mayor in 1977. And so I saw firsthand as, as a child why government was important and why the movement at the time had a lasting impression on me. So I was the kid at the age of 12 who would give out the campaign literature for Bella and for my mom, but I would also go to anti-war rallies and, and impeach Nixon rallies. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always thought as a kid that this is what everybody did. And I'm so proud of the movement today, these young elected officials, almost all of them who are supporting me from all over the city, who are also trying to make change and hold government accountable at the state and city level. So for me, this is a life's work. And, you know, I always say that when you're in government for 30 years, uh, you're a W-2 employee, you don't really accumulate wealth. And, you know, I have these wonderful two little boys in public school. I have an eight-year-old and a seven-year-old, Max and Miles. And, you know, as a father, I, I can't leave them any real wealth. But one of the things I think I'm going to be able to leave them if I'm mayor is the greatest city in the world. I'm going to leave them that most important legacy of a great city. And I'm going to do that not just for my little boys, but I'm going to do it for all the children of New York City uh, and grandchildren of New York City. I'm going to do it for 
100,000 children who are in homeless shelters. And for the kids right now who are learning on these remote devices, Josh, that are worthless mm. and putting kids, especially of color, farther behind, it pains me. We need a mayor who's going to change this, change it immediately. And that's why the de Blasio administration has been so effective when it comes to educating children. And I want to create a new opportunity for all of our kids. But that's what motivates me on a personal level. These, these little kids I get to see every morning and what we have to do for all of our children, especially post-pandemic. Well, I think everyone can count on your eye being on the DOE with, with two young children in New York City. What, what are the things can you share that you would really like to see done with the Department of Education? Look, we need to get rid of the bureaucrats there. That agency is so, the lack of transparency and the incompetence in doing just the basic educational work is just astounding. A huge budget, no accountability, and no real vision and plan for our children. It's why remote learning is not working. It's why parents do not feel that the system is working for them or their children. And as the only uh, mayoral candidate with kids in the public school system, I can tell you that this is something that uh, informs my view of education and how we have to do better. We need to attract more teachers to the system. We need to make sure that they have the resources to continue their career educationally. We need to resource every classroom in the city. And over the course of the campaign, I'm gonna talk both as a controller about these issues, but also as a parent about these issues. So let's talk about safety, because I think a safe city equals a strong city. And obviously it's a big topic now, right? Crime has increased due to COVID. And, you know, there's been not just in this city, but, you know, a national movement around um, really police interaction with the community. So what, what's your stance on what can be done with the NYPD and, and you know, getting this city in a, in a better place from a safety, quality of life and also police community? Well, look, as a kid who grew up in Washington Heights in the 70s during Son of Sam and when the Bronx was burning, uh, I remember that there really were 2,000 murders a year. The A train my brother and I took, um, it, was, it was like a rolling crime scene. My mother used to say to me, look, when you get into the train, go sit in the conductor car, sit with the conductor. So you'd have all these kids packed into the conductor car. I'm happy to say that most young people today don't even realize there's a conductor on the train or there's a conductor car. So the city has come back from that, those days. But I'm not going to put my kids back in the 70s. We have to keep our city safe. We have to make sure that people are protected. Our seniors feel that they can go to the grocery store. So that's, that's very critical to me. But I would also say that as New Yorkers and people across the country are crying out for justice and the sanctity of Black lives, we can and should shift responsibilities and dollars away from the NYPD toward vulnerable communities most impacted by police violence and structural racism. It does exist, and that has to change. And look, I also think that the NYPD's responsibilities have ballooned over the years. They now include dealing with a host of social challenges, and and I support moving those responsibilities where we can away from armed officers to mental health professionals, to peer counselors. Uh, We have crisis intervention experts. There's social workers school psychologists, 
This has got to be the way that we meet the challenges of so many of our communities. And we've approached public health and public safety too narrowly for too long, and it's been at an enormous cost to black and brown New Yorkers. And they're entangled in the criminal justice legal system. Their families are, their neighbors and communities. So it's time for structural change and reform. And I believe very strongly that we can get there. We can keep our city safe, but we can do it through the lens of equity and fairness. And as mayor, having someone like myself who has real deep experience in looking at the NYPD, looking at different city agencies, I think I'm best qualified to create a system that is fair, but also creates a system that keeps us safe. You know, I'd love to just talk about the state of politics now in New York. You know, I feel like the winds have, you know, really gone to the left and, you know, we have a progressive mayor and, I, and, and I'd like to just, you know, understand, are you running as a progressive and, and how does that play in terms of like economically speaking to be able to be progressive and, and yet spur the economy? To me, being progressive is, is wanting to help people. So I actually think a lot of people are progressive. And the job of government is to especially help the people most vulnerable. Part of being progressive, however, must be progressive. You have to be competent because if you're going to talk about helping people, you actually have to have a plan and an administration that can effectively reduce homelessness, that can build real affordable housing that can help the 400,000 tenants living at NYCHA. So it's one thing to talk the talk, it's another thing to use your government experience for the good. And I think that's what I bring to this mayor's race and what I would bring to City Hall, which is a view about fundamental progressive change through the lens of competence. And if we could do that, I think we can change the city for the better. And I think we need to do that economically, especially post-COVID. You know, you have tremendous power with, you know, control of uh, $225 billion. And, you know, I, I just saw that you really um, came out even before the state controller, Tom DiNapoli, talking about how that money is used responsibly in terms of investment and to put it, you know, really to, I guess, vet the companies that you're investing in to make sure that they're not negatively impacting our environment. So I guess, can you talk to that and how you came about that decision? Yes. I don't think it's any secret to New Yorkers that climate change is real. And we actually don't have many more years to change the direction of planet and especially urban centers like New York. Uh, as mayor, we need a, I'm going to have a 520 mile resiliency plan for every neighborhood because we can't just worry about Wall Street as the mayor has suggested in his plan for resiliency. We have to worry about Main Street. And to that end, I have been one of the leading climate advocates in the United States through the pension fund of our city. We are undergoing, as we speak, a historic divestment of fossil fuels in our portfolio. And we're going to have more to say about that in a matter of weeks. I'm very proud of this work. It's not just what I propose to divest from, but I've also doubled the green economy investments into the pension fund. I think these investments will create the new green jobs we need and will also safeguard our planet. But people also have to understand that in this role of fiduciary of retirement, of the retirement security of our people, my first priority is to make sure that I am acting in the best interest of the people who rely on their retirement security, rely on me for their retirement security. 
And that is why when we look at climate change and divestment, we also look at it through the lens of protecting the pension fund. When I divested from the private prison industrial complex, I also made sure that taking money out of the fund would not be disruptive to the retirees. And that is the balance between being a good financial controller and also being a social climate justice champion. And you have to be able to do both. You know, just in closing, Scott, I would love for you just to, a couple things, just the lessons that you've learned in your life that have prepared you for the role of mayor of New York City. And just for people that, you know, don't know you that well, that listen to this conversation, why they should, you know, vote for you. You know, growing up in Washington Heights back in the day, I formed a lot of who I am today. I learned a lot in my life in the schoolyard, in my neighborhood, with kids from all different walks of life. Our common ground was the schoolyard. And I know that there are so many kids out there today who need a summer job, need help, need mentorship, need guidance counselors, need to have someone reach out to their families and say, we can make things better. And now I am at a point in my life, having had this tremendous experience in government, I I really want to do this for the city that I love. I think that in this moment in time, I could come into City Hall with a very talented team of people and actually make real change for the most vulnerable people in our city. And for me, that is something that very few people get to do. So I am honored by even the notion that people would consider me to lead this city, especially post-COVID. And I just want to say to all of your listeners that I pledge to govern the hell out of this city, to show up every morning, give it everything I've got. You'll use the tools in my experience to bring this city back. Call me a progressive, call me a Democrat, but call me a dad who loves this town, and I will do right by the people of the city. Well, New York City Comptroller Scott Stringer, thank you so much for being with us. Greatly appreciate it. Great to be with you. Thanks, Josh. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in to a new episode of Schneps Connects every week. You can get the podcast wherever you stream your podcast, or you can listen online at podcast.schnepsmedia.com. 